Hey, this is Joe Colton from What's on Joe Mind. You're about to listen to another awesome panel for our virtual JoeCon 2020, but we're also doing a good deed. We're collecting donations for the World Central Kitchen, a non-for-profit, non-governmental organization devoted to providing meals to first responders in the wake of natural disasters. Founded in 2010 by celebrity chef Jose Andres, the organization prepared food in Haiti following the devastating earthquake. Now, this organization is helping feed first responders during COVID-19. All donations go directly to the World Central Kitchen. We cannot do this without you. Please visit donate.wck.org forward slash what's on Joe Mind. Enjoy the panel. Meanwhile, in the What's on Joe Mind book depository. How's that? That's okay. You project is the kind way of saying you're f***ing loud. <laughs> I have to do that in front of a classroom. Not saying it's not a useful skill. Hi everybody, this is Rob, and this is What's on Joe Mind's Rack Time. Today I've got two very special guests with me. I have got Curtis Herod, the writer and artist of G.I. Joe's The Black Book, independently published project. Yes, I, uh, Cujo's here, Curtis is here, uh, however, and it's a pleasure to be with Rack Time. Thank you, guys. And I've also got Beachhead Mike in with me. You're going to start calling me that now? Me? No. This is, but, you know, we're on the air. So. Rack, rack time with Gary Godso? What is this all of a sudden? <laughs> Anyways, people are probably tired of hearing me at this point, but you're stuck with me because I'm the one that does the audio. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're running the show, so, you know, that you're, you're, they can deal with it. That's right. I stuck do have one me. question, Mike, about your cadence, since I do listen to What's on Joe Mind. Did you listen to baseball when you were growing up, like at night, something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like you have the cadence of like a really dry, like color guy, like between pitches. <laughs> that is the I don't know. That is the best compliment I have ever been paid. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, man. If, if only you were hiring at a radio station, if only. So many dreams. Nine years on the job. That's what I hear. Nine years on this job. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a long time. It's crazy. I I was not there at the very start. I guess I, I showed up for the first time on episode three, and then sporadically for a little while. And but it's been for eight and a half of those nine years. I've I've been on on the ship at some place. Thanks Who for knew? thanks for playing All along. Roads. <laughs> Who knew all roads would lead to the black book? Fascinating. Right. Exactly. The the whole universe has tangentially led us from its millions of separate points to converge on the black book. And speaking of the black book, Curtis, why don't you go ahead and give a quick description of what exactly is the black book? Well, I think you did it better than, than I have over several years now. The black book is two people who could be anybody and they're on a mission to explore something that shouldn't be there. I don't know. I'm not good at explaining it guys. I guess, let me ask you a question and it could bring some clarity to it. Did you see it through the eyes of kind of like an epic scale or a small mission, like, like really closely examined? 
I looked at it like this was a a small mission, but maybe the start of something bigger. Mm. Okay, then I'll, I'll, just, know how, I'll like, just say that. It's a small mission with two Steel Brigade whom you get to know in very vague ways. And I guess it's uh, it's written that way so you can kind of place yourself in it. Yeah, I mean, you show up and, and there's no introduction to them because you're basically stepping in at a midway point in their life. There's not always going to be this hard and fast, hey, my name is Cujo, how are you? You know, it, it's not going to necessarily work like that. And and I kind of like that about it. I liked that what you pick up about the relationship between those two soldiers is gradually put into place as you get through the story. Mm, cheers. I read it as a small mission with potentially larger stakes than anybody had anticipated. It felt like it was actually a big mission disguised as a small mission. Mm. I think before we're done, I'll probably ask you a personal question about that, Reed. But since we're just uh, opening the pages, please continue, Rob. Sorry, didn't mean to hijack. Oh, no, no problem. No, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to go here. So basically, with the Black Book, like I said, we, I, I mentioned in my episode of Rack Time when I covered it that it's something that's very different you know, from what we're used to seeing in a G.I. Joe comic. What was your inspiration for going this way, for, for having them take this mission up? Mm, this this conversation itself is quite expansive, honestly. I think uh, I, I kind of got to know the world as soon as digitally it let me. In in '96, I think when uh, the forex, which is a foreign exchange currency, was was able to be traded at the worldwide level, that's when I started to kind of get to know people in different parts of the world. And I think that's where GI Joeberg jumped out at me because I knew that it was a conversation that would kind of make the picture bigger. And they've, en they've ended up becoming brothers, much as I imagine if, if, if we had the opportunity to chat on the regular, we would. I, it just, uh, the Black Book came together because there was access to so many talented people through the Joe Network. Actually, the style that kind of inspired it. Did you guys catch that Tron cartoon? That Tron animated cartoon? The one on Disney XD a couple years ago? Yeah, well, I think it's on the streaming service now. If you haven't caught that, treat yourself. That's really what kind of inspired me to go, oh, I don't need to draw super detailed backgrounds. I can use a fractal or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Kind of change the music. So it was just honestly kind of like, I imagine your journey has been where you just kind of like, oh, the picture just keeps getting bigger until you're able to print a comic book, I guess. I thought the art, um, at least, you know, like the figure design was kind of a little bit reminiscent, you know, when you're talking about the Tron cartoon. I kind of saw a little bit of the old Aeon Flux cartoon that used to be, you know, liquid television on TV. Same cat, same guy that did that. His name escapes me, but... Was he, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, same. So, like, kind of like the, the legs are real extended and stuff like that, for sure. Yeah, like the, everybody's long and lean. The, the faces are, are lean. He also did a Phantom cartoon. That sounds right. There's there's so many projects that didn't catch it in real time that people have really enjoyed. But yeah, no, I, I think if you have the Disney streaming service, enjoy that Tron cartoon. Yeah, I think when you look at that, you'll go, oh, that's where the Black Book came together. <laughs> the seeds were planted. It is. I mean, honestly, I can't take credit for everything about the mission. I mean, you guys have seen it, and there's things about it where you're like, 
yeah, that can happen. And then there's stuff where you're like, well, that's metaphysical, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's, it's meant to be a story that like you're told enough to put, to build the rest of the bridges yourself. You know, somebody jumps off a cliff. How did they stick that landing? You know, how did that happen? So that kind of thing. Yeah. The other thing I noticed on on the art style too, was for most of it, you don't have the traditional panel design. Instead, you'll kind of, you know, like repeat the figures You'll either repeat the figures going down the page, you know, or up the page, you know, depending on what direction that they're moving in. Or, uh, no, I, I feel I feel where you're headed. Honestly, like I, I was inspired by Sholey's kind of his freewheeling, just kind of letting the pencil fly, and his style. You know how I speak of uh, the GI Joe Transformers comic that he did. Yeah. One thing that I kind of wanted to do was not put too much ink on the page. I think people have gotten too emo about their line art. You know, there's like a whole shadow across a page. And and I feel like if you let the page breathe, people can live in it a little bit better. So I I definitely wanted to go light on design and kind of keep it like, oh, this is approachable, but wait a second, that's too real. Like, I'm not ready to address that yet. Yeah, I, I think the art style of the book matches the story you were trying to tell oh, thanks brother like just from the, the the very vibrant colors the line work the the way you use the dialogue to kind of lead people along it's, it's almost like you're you're not so much following panels so much as following conversation uh, and i think it really works for the I mean, not to be insulting, but the odd subject matter. We don't see a lot of supernatural kind of stuff in G.I. Joe. Not past walking Chinese statues like in that one episode of the cartoon or something. But this this isn't that hokey kind of B-movie magic. This is something a little bit darker. And uh, what's the the word I'm looking for now? A a little bit more uh, Lovecraftian almost. Mm, yeah, you're, I, you might be on point there. Um, you know, if it's just my line art, you know, there's like a there's there's so many comics out there. You're like, that's clever line art, you know, all that. Without Paul, that book doesn't hit. So I mean, like, you guys have seen the digital form. Uh, when you turn pages, that book is sick. Um, and hopefully, like, you guys will get a, a, a copy of it as well. But because now you're in it, you're part of it. I, I, I tip my hat to Paul because I told him, I was like, turn the volume up. Like, this is too tame. You know, I don't want to blow people's eyes open. I want people to go, wait a second. Why did they do that? You know, especially like, say you enter a tower and all of a sudden it's not the same book anymore. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I don't know how much, of, how much of the, the end of the book you want to discuss. So I would, I, I think I think it's fair game. Um, there's a, there's enough for interpretation. I, I would ask you a question. I'll ask you a couple questions at the end. Let me know when you're ready for that for that assault. This is a, a pretty free form stuff. This is this isn't so much an interview. Mm-hmm. It's a panel. So if you have questions back, fire away. I like it. Well, beyond the page, what did you guys see in it? Did you catch on to who the opponents were uh, in the GI Joe canon stuff like that? No, I mean there there aren't that many characters in there, so it's pretty easy to tell who's who after they get uh, their their little almost video game introduction, you know. <laughs> nice. Well, who who then? Who who are the who are the opponents to you in it? Like the people on screen. Oh shoot, what's his name? Um the Desert Scorpion guy. Um 
Mm-hmm. He, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, he, he is. Scorpion. Yeah, he, he is. And then he kind of has his moment at the end where he understands that what he's messing with is bigger than G.I. Joe and Cobra. And ultim- yeah, that sounds right. And and ultimately, you know, pays a price for that. So, but he's pretty straightforward until the last two or three panels that that he's presented in. It's kind of, you do you do get stung by his revelation, don't you? You feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's this little, almost a footnote. It's almost like what what Marvel would put on the bottom of a panel in the '60s. You know. As seen in issue twelve, smile and stand. You know, it, 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 it it's kind of like that, but but you kind of see that, and it's like, oh, you know, you're just Rob. Are you deep in the collecting game? Uh... <laughs> That's a funny question. <laughs> Which what type of, what type of collecting? Like Joe collecting? I mean, I get pretty deep there, but comic collecting. I'm sitting in an apartment with about forty long boxes. Did you see? Did you did you pick up on who the sniper and the Sandman were? Uh, in terms of the Joe characters, correct. As as oh, far yeah. as uh... oh, go on, brother. Oh yeah, we've got uh, well, we've got lift ticket in the you know basically kind of acting like the jump master, and then Dusty down on the ground. Mm, the Cobra guys though, who's the sniper? Who's the Sandman? Uh, I'll see. I, I think it's a desert. Tour. To me, he just kind of looks a little bit like um, oh, what was that? Uh, the Range Viper commander. Okay. Okay. What, well, Mike? You got any insight? I mean, Plus I was thinking. Buster. I was on point. I was thinking the the sniper was Firefly because you kept seeing that fl- the fire bug flipping around. So I think I got you guys. Um, yeah. The flaming moth set. Remember from the convention? Oh wow. Okay. So that was oh, yeah. the 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 range viper with the the tan colors, and he came with. Um, I I forget. He's a rock viper, isn't he? Something like that. I I think so. I'd have to go back and check. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. have those sets, no, so I don't. I I don't. That was, uh, that was definitely the inspiration for those two characters. Nice, nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in the conventions. <laughs> nice. So that's that's definitely a deep cut. I didn't. Uh, I didn't lean into it too hard. You see the flame and the moth referenced once at the end. Nice for you, dear reader. That's that's a little uh, <laughs> post commentary. Don't listen to this till you've read it. Obviously, as seen on the Collector spoilers. Club catalog. Yeah, smiling Gujo. Forty minutes in, spoilers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. Well, is this the kind of a the kind of Joe story that, I mean, at least recently in the Joe comics, it, it can either be viewed as redundant or inspired, but do you feel like that these these kind of Joe stories might be more accessible, like small soldiers, that kind of stuff, working with other Joes? Sure, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of the issues that I've had with the book revolve around its... Uh, well, and honestly, it's what the the loudest contingent of the fandom keeps saying. It just doesn't want to evolve. Like Larry's got his book, and Larry's book is great. I, I I enjoy it, but in a 
universe that is as deep, and we're just talking the mainstream G.I. Joe universe. We're not even talking about Paul Aller's take or, or any other takes that came before it, all of which had the, the heels to stand on their own. Uh, but there's so much going on in all those characters that just, just gets ignored because you only have one book to tell it every month. And small stories like this, special missions type stories, if you will, I think this would have fit in in a special missions format. There's always a spot for those, and I think people are are willing to give those a chance. Mm, Well, I think, uh, not to pivot or anything like that, but since my mind is on it, it's a great moment to chat it up. There was some cat, I don't remember his name, he's one of the VPs for Boom Studios, and he... He uh, added you in a tweet this week talking about the Joe community, said that uh, a lot of a lot of fandoms kind of turn over or chew on each other. But one thing about Joe, the Joe community was that uh, it was always inviting. You were never an outsider. And he, he specifically re- referenced General Joe's and uh, you, Mike. I guess I'm curious, like, uh, and I do have a Steel Brigade question for you, but <laughs> in your opinion, like, uh, when you think about the Joe community nine years deep, what, what do you see out here? Like, who, who is the Joe community to you? I, I think that they tend to be the most well-adjusted. Um, these are the guys that have, you know, lives, families, kids. They're collecting, if you will. The, this particular passion has its boundaries, and it's maybe kept out of daily life kind of thing. It, it's, it's the type of... They, they tend to be the type of guys that don't bring it up unless it's brought up to them or they're at a function where they can they can just let fly. It's not like some of the, the Star Wars or the Transformers guys that, you know, their their car's covered in bumper stickers and their desk is covered at work with, with toys and knickknacks. And, you know, like it's just a, like the Joe community just seems a little bit more low-key, a little bit more comfortable with itself. And... I mean, the element is there. There, there is always going to be that that the quote ugly fanboy element to to any of these things. You're you're always going to have that extreme, but I think that's a far smaller percentage in the Joe community than it is for most other communities of its type. And I think that's Arun is Arun Singh is the guy you're you're talking about. He's a semi regular guest on the show, but Arun is. Well, I, I mean, for for all of the we've watched his career just explode. He started out, he was with uh, with Marvel, and then he was with sci-fi uh, television, and now he's uh, the vice president of, of marketing in Boom Studios. And I, I know I always bring up his job, but it's really because I'm proud of him. Like, he's just this, this hardworking, positive guy, and he's always got nice words to say about everybody. So I was really touched that, that he thought of, of us, um, you know, we, me and, and Justin... In, in that tweet in particular, um, because he's he's a super guy. Like whatever whatever's come his way, he's really deserved it. Like he's put in the time, and you know I'm not going to bore you with with uh, with some of the personal details on top of that. But he's had a long road to hoe. So uh, when when people like that point at you and say, "Hey, you're you're doing a good job of world building," you know that's that means a lot. It meant a lot. I, I mean, I, I, I see you, brother. Um, no, I think what what I would expand upon is that, at least in my experience, it's strange. You know, fandoms, 
GI Joe fans are are men, are people of action. Like it seems like superhero fans are always waiting for somebody to save them. But I don't mean to be glib like that. I think that one of the things that that resonates so long with GI Joe, and we probably won't even get around to talking about card art tonight, but um, is that and and Buzz Dixon mentioned this to me, and it it just hit was that you know, G.I. Joe is rooted in intelligence and information gathering and people that are competent. And that's something you can't turn. There's no counterculture to intelligence. So, that, I mean, I think, you know, when you read a Joe comic, whomever it's it's published by, if it doesn't ring, it's because they, they're not trying to teach you something about the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's always the, the resonating note is we're we're talking and we're across this landmass as well as many others. And that just doesn't happen by accident. Mm. The, the black book does not happen by accident, gentlemen. No, no. I, I, I mean, every step you take has some impact on the steps you take next. Mm. And, and every step you will take will be influenced by the ones you've already taken. It works both ways. That's not to say that I'm this big believer in fate or anything. I, I, think it's a little bit more random than that but you know how it, dare you it, it, it um all of your experience the sum of all of your experience from whether the time you wrote a comic book and published it independently and what you had for breakfast two tuesdays ago both have figured into your current psyche maybe i think in, we're ready for the final question maybe in different ratios but certainly have figured into things. <laughs> Rob, you've been quiet for too long, brother. There's a question. Well, at the end. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to ask is, since we are talking about like these, the choices that led us to where we are, what are the types of things that kind of brought you to do the Black Book? You're a comic reader. I think like some of the most, the best comics are made by not angry people, but people that are in conflict with their world. And, and some, of, some of those are the best seasons of creators. So I think the Black Book, I, w I pushed, you know, I wanted to be mainstream. I definitely, you know, burned some bridges. And, I, you know, as you guys know, media, the stuff you do, it never goes away. So I think that you know, you, you try and, uh, well, well, I forget what the question was. I'm getting lost, but I think the black book is, uh, it just came together because the story was right there in front of me. You guys were at uh, Chattanooga, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you guys get a chance to walk around that town? Not too, too much. Uh, we kept it mostly in the realm of the hotel, but we got out a little bit on the, the beginning part and then before we left town. That influenced the Black Book. I mean, there was definitely buildings in that city that captivated me. I'm sorry, bro Rob, I lost your question, man. It's the West Coast. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> We're spacing out, man. Uh, gateway yeah, to the West. <laughs> now, basically, I was kind of um, asking... What kind of got you, what was your inspiration for doing this particular story? Was it, you know, stuff you had done in the past? Was it just something that you mentioned, like, you know, things in chat, like the buildings and the architecture of Chattanooga hit you? Just from yeah. what we saw in Chattanooga, I'm thinking sometimes it might be sugar high from those giant pieces of cake at the diner. But, you know. 
Yeah, who can blame you? I do remember that diner. I love I, that diner. Uh, just a short, short walk. I might drive the eight hours just to get back to that diner. <laughs> there it is. No, Chattanooga is, is a special city. I think the Native American word Chattanooga's rock comes to a point. There's a lot of architecture. There's a lot of uh, art artwork there. There was I walked through this park and there's like all these people looking up into the sky, these statues, and it says a reason to hope. And I was, you know, that kind of stuff is just ponderous. But no, I think that's that's what the 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 black book is. That's what inspired it. Is you guys are on the journey, and I mean, it, you guys, both of you are family men, or or is that how it goes? Actually, neither no. of us are married. No oh, kids. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, see, you guys are very smart people, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing around, playing around, guys. I was um, once. You're you're actually correct. As his wife approaches him with the frying pan. <laughs> right. I, I, I was married once. You're actually correct. Well, there's uh, no, if you find true love, God bless. Um, no, I think, uh, yeah, I'm getting lost, gentlemen. There's just my, there's too many uh, loose ends. It's okay. Man. I mean, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So t- take us to a more familiar story then. Because you, you made a little bit of a reference to it earlier. But how does a guy in Southern California wind up on G.I. Joburg out of Johannesburg, South Africa? You guys got into the podcast game pretty early. So did I. I work with uh, some cat named Chuck. Uh, we did this like sci-fi conspiracy show built mm-hmm. on like synthwave and stuff like that. It's called uh, 30 Minutes to Diabolical. It's pretty accessible. Pretty accessible. But uh, with G.I. Joe Berg, Stephen came across like he was really well-spoken. And I think that that kind of I was like, OK, this, you know, this conversation could grow in, in a sense. And I was just getting to know uh, the G.I. Joe podcast crew which which wasn't many at that time is what you guys and then uh general joe's maybe or did they have a podcast for a minute well no because justin was was on our show so it was it was us there was star joe's flag points was out there at the time and if we had talked to to joburg very early in their formation we had, unfortunately we we've actually never had them back which is kind of a dough no. thing on my part but it was scheduling is always a trick it Um, is it is time zones are are funny things no i do i do in media i do try and bump into networks that aren't next to me so i mean it's been an honor to uh get to know those guys and especially when they were stateside stuff like that a lot of people helped getting them here uh but that's definitely not forgotten it's been a journey just like you guys I think we'll probably chat, not all the time, but I see you guys at HTC's uh, happy hour, all that stuff. So that's actually probably a good name for it. <laughs> yeah, that, I that's, think it is, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's valid. It's pretty wild. It's a small world, you know? The, the problems they have are the same problems we have. Yeah, you, you bust out the window trappings, and you find that really most people's problems are pretty well the same. We've, we have very similar motivations and maybe not similar circumstances, but... You know, everybody's just trying to get through, feed the family, make a couple of bucks, maybe have a couple left over at the end of the week. We have all of us common issues. I have heard Americans are friendly, so I guess we got that going for us. Sometimes, yeah. You're a teacher, Rob? Yes. Interesting. I teach uh, special education. Right on. 
Yeah, he's got like one of those important gigs. It's it is important. It's really important, actually. I mean, that's that's my opinion. These last couple of weeks have been like really interesting because my, I mean, the nature of my job is not distance learning because uh, my kids are more on the you know are, are on the more like intense spectrum and it's just you know it's you need that kind of face front one on one time with them mm. and obviously I mean that's just basically it's just blown all out of the water so six weeks into being under stay at home and you know distance learning still trying to figure it out you know a way that will work for the kids and or not confuse the parents who have to help them with it and things like that so well as far as not confusing their parents what I understand is just stay away from fractions <laughs> that was the the most recent Facebook dust up I saw that was not politically motivated <laughs> fractions somebody had energy yeah how, how do they about something else yeah how do they expect us to to teach bleeping fractions i never learned how to do them myself well sorry yeah they're really not hard they're, they're not that bad yeah. all you need to know is the whole stock market crashed all of it think all of, of pizza that's right mm-hmm. <laughs> that's brilliant actually <laughs> Think of pizza. I am just now realizing you guys are brothers, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Outrageous. <laughs> nice. We're come on, man. You you thought there were two different families of Irizaris and we would we would happen to know one another through joke collecting? Well, I'm only used to your slick Twitter avatar, so <laughs> I'm not used to seeing that name. That's fair. And truthfully, even on the quote personal Twitter account, which never gets used. I don't think my last name's on there either. Mm, good man. Yeah. I think I looked it up once. Uh, basically, there were enough Irizarys that looked like an, around the area of Queens and then Puerto Rico. Makes me think that in Spanish it means Smith. Hmm. Yeah. Ha- half the island of Puerto Rico, it seems. It's fancy. Is, yeah. That's is, uh, one fancy Smith. My, my, <laughs> yeah, well, my, my, you know, my dad. It, it's t- European. <laughs> my dad tells a story of going to San Juan on business once when he was working with, with Rand McNally and he had a team with him. Like there were there were three others that, that were reporting to him on that trip. And he said that the, the hotel they were staying at treated him like an absolute king because his last name was Irizarry and he was bossing a bunch of folks around. There it is. And so it, it was just like I figured that that right there, that's what stoked the hey, we need to find out where this name is, what what this name is from and what it means and yeah, is like there that. some fancy hats along the way? Apparently, man. I'm hoping. Anytime Grab you can bust out a ten pointer in Scrabble in your last name, it's a win. <laughs> well so grandma grandpa had that fancy sword, remember? Yeah. Triple word score. Wait, you guys got a sword in your family? Was it two edge, one edge? It was a big decorative. old, yeah, big old decorative <laughs> long sword. Good stuff. It, it was basically it was hanging on the wall on like a plaque mounted onto that, and it had like you know family name going down. And I, what was it? Didn't Uncle Uncle Bob got that from Spain or something like when he was in the Air Force? I think so. Yeah, our grandparents' place in Queens was a a trove of eclectic home furnishings. Your folks were in the military. One of your folks. Oh no! I mean, not career. No, my my our uncle mm-hmm. spent uh, spent his four years in the army, and our dad was spent his four years in the navy. And grandpa was probably the closest to that. He was he was about six years in the in the navy back in the World mm-hmm. War Two in Korea. But yeah, not to any great extent. No, gotcha. 
what convention are we at? Virtual <laughs> JoeCon. We're getting deep on Virtual JoeCon. Virtual yeah. JoeCon. Yes. Mm. Or I guess the it's nice in here. The What's on Joe Mind Virtual JoeCon. We don't want to get it confused with the people that actually hold the rights to the name <laughs> JoeCon. Because I got no lawsuit money. I got nothing. You want to get sued? That's right. It's an honor to be at uh, the virtual con with such a uh, cast of characters that have a endurance, uh, quite an endurance podcast. What are you guys at? One thirty-two. I don't know. Well, um, number one twenty-two, and then there's... you guys are legends. We're speaking about media. I mean, Joe has the best media team in the world. You guys are like, you guys are glue. You know what I mean? Nine years. You're deeper in the game than I am. Yeah, we old. Personally, I've been doing stuff online for this property for since uh, 2003. So, yeah, it's getting to be a long time. I've just been hanging around since, like, about, like, 2013. Mm. Been... When Mike said, hey, you want to go to JoeCon? It's in Indianapolis this year. Yeah, sure. We're on spring break that week. I've been sponging off my social know. connections. <laughs> yeah, I such, can do that. That sounds like such fun. as they are. Huh. So this is like a victory lap. This this little panel putting a spotlight on you guys, putting a spotlight on the black book. I don't know about victory lap. We're we're doing uh as part of virtual con, the, the real purpose of virtual Joe Con is uh charity fundraising. We're we're collecting for uh, World Central Kitchen. They're a service that provides meals to, to first responders, to, to doctors and nurses who are stuck out in the field, can't get to their families. Uh, they're providing for uh, kids who are normally getting their one good meal in a day at school. Uh, and basically just, just trying to take care of, of a lot of the band-aids that have been ripped off by all this stuff going down. And it's, you know, they're not just a a COVID-19 charity. They're They're there for earthquakes and floods and tornadoes and all kinds of stuff too so it's their importance is shown at, at the current time but they're a good bunch it seems and, and they're there for all of the tragedies that seem to hit our society when they do are you guys ready for the final black book question certainly mm. i'm gonna Go start with it. you rob um all right there's a question that the Steel Brigade people ask each other at the end, and it's classified. And I guess if you're looking at the black book, you opened it up, you saw something that nobody else saw, whether it was a symbol, it was a character arc. Um, who were you, and ultimately, what did the black book mean? What did you see? I saw that the black book was a key to something else. There's more beneath the surface than what we see. And that as the characters that you use, the two Steel Brigade characters that you use, were kind of like the gateway into that because uh, we've got two Joe in there who's an occult expert, and we've never had an occult expert for G.I. Joe. So you're already going with someone who's used to seeing things in a different light than, say, you know, Dusty is going to or Stalker. There, there's never been that real mysticism in G.I. Joe outside of, you know, like the spirituality you would get, like, you know, sometimes with like the ninja clan. So I, I, I kind of looked at it and said, you know, there's a, there are, there are other worlds out there if you look in the right place. 
Mm, I like that. That was my take on it. Mike, what say you? Pretty similar boat. I think that the fact that your main characters didn't quite know what they had themselves spoke volumes to, to where the story went, and I think it turned out being a much bigger deal. I think we looked what the Black Book wound up being was a key to another dimension where things are different, maybe maybe quite literally a little bit more black and white, a little bit more cut and dry. Mm. Touche. Where there's perhaps very definite rules on how things work and, and then popping back into to our world, you know, they, they found out immediately that that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, it was uh, the place the Black Book led them to is a lot more primal. And then when they're trying to escape that place, they're, they're instantly met with an act of kindness from their, their enemy, their perceived enemy. So I, I think it... Uh, yeah, I think that's, a, that's, I suppose, the last tip. The, the Black Book is written... I think uh, there's, a, there's a scene right before uh, Cujo, the occult specialist, who the design cues came from an action figure that Jim Godfrey out of the UK, cheers, brother, um, that he created sight unseen. So we did, we did collaborate on White Lightning's appearance, but no, I think uh, Tower Vision. There's a, there's a page right before Cujo looks in the tower and he's looking at the marquee on it. You know, it's a lot of classic architecture. You know, is it Victorian? You know, do we even understand our architecture? And uh, a lot of that is not fake research. So, like, it's not, I'm not saying it's truth, but it's, there's signatures in there from people that I would say, quote unquote, truthers from the age of information. And uh, they all have copies of the Black Book, and there's there's hard research in there. If people look at it, it does spook them a little bit. That's what the Black Book is. I think you go in a tower, you go in a place, and you go, oh, I think what I say in this room might just echo all the way to another realm or another room, so to speak. So I think that's that's what it was, and I, that's what I'm inspired by. Ultimately, you know, John Carpenter's the thing. I mean, that's essentially what we're living now. Everybody's got bandanas on and stuff. Everybody could have it. You know, nobody has it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, uh, I like open-ended stories. And hopefully, like, if, if you have the black book in your possession, yeah, read it every 10 years. You might end up being the scorpion. You know, you might be a range viper who's pissed about being irrelevant, you know? Who knows? So... That's, that's what it is. It, it, was a, it was a moment in time that I, I was working with a lot of talented people. And I have drawn for a long time, but it's not my profession. So I, I suppose the final word is that I do have some designs on something called the Blue Book, but that would be probably another decade. So <laughs> give, it time, yeah. give it time to percolate, yeah. right? It has, it has to, every, every line has to matter. Yeah. The blue book is going to be a story about all those essay tests I took in college. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> or the, the value of no, clutches used vamp. It's what leads it's a, what leads to conversations like this, not to joke around. I it's an honor to chat with people over uh, you guys included and I'll say it one more time for the cheap seats. Yeah, it is too easy to dismiss media in our age because we're looking at the strongest squad in the game by far 
and I'm not just talking fandom. You know, you guys have been doing it for nine years. G.I. Joeberg covers the world. <laughs> you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's an honor, guys. Likewise. I, I missed connecting with Paul and the gang in Chattanooga. And the funny part of it is it's because we almost very nearly absolutely connected. I almost physically ran into them as they were taping. But, <laughs> so, but I, I just kind of, I kept, kept my distance because I didn't, they were, it was the end of the con. They were, they were still kind of in that, that afterglow state. And I didn't want it to all become about, Oh, Hey, here's this dude from what's on Joe mind that we talked to five years ago. So I, I kept back. And then when it was over, you know, I, I had gotten distracted. They were gone when I turned back. So unfortunately I missed them, but I'm glad that they made it. I'm glad that they very clearly had a good time. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you for chatting up the black book. Hey man, anytime. Oh, no problem. You wanna you wanna yeah. put out a a GI Joe themed page turner? We're we're gonna do our best to get you on the program. How's that sound? <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, Brave New World. Uh, I think publishing on the other side will be quite interesting. It, it'll definitely be a renaissance of culture. I think. I think that's fair to say. We'll drag you into some real world questions here. Sure. Obviously, Diamond is taking a, a siesta for a few weeks while we get this world economy thing settled down. Mm-hmm. But DC has gone and rocked the boat. How do you think that's going to shake out? You think you think Diamond is going to come out of this? And I'm not well, necessarily rooting for well, him. I don't want to make it sound like I'm 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 edging that I'm I'm hoping this happens. I just I'm just curious as somebody who's been outside their paradigm what you what you think of it. Huh. Well, I mean, I, there's so there's so many levels right now. I think uh, you you're you're not in media, right, Mike? What what's your what's your regular job? Oh, I'm not. I'm I suppose technically I am. I, I at the moment I am tech support for cable installers. Oh, right on. Okay. <laughs> so um, so I'm in media at no, the very no, I, base of the of the pyramid. <laughs> hey, as far as I'm He's concerned, in the infrastructure of media. As far as I'm concerned, you guys are some of the most talented people in the game. Enough said. <laughs> Put that on the resume. There um, we go. No, I think, uh, let's see, what am I looking at as far as uh, publishing goes? There are certain companies, like, if you're looking at business models, you're like, okay, that's smart money. Who's going to follow their suit? And if as soon as you figure out, like, tiers of how people turn out the lights, the comics structure is or tier is kind of like, a soft test of how they do business models at a bigger level. So I don't know. I'm not comforted by people turning out the lights everywhere. I think the the silver lining is that, uh, at least in the Black Books case, uh, it's printed right down the street from me, same people that printed the first version. So I'm lucky in that respect that I can skip a couple steps and I can just ship from here if people want to do that. But uh, no, I don't know. On the other side, I'm hoping... Uh, from a media standpoint, that this brings us to an intersection where we go, you know, the narrative wasn't handled correctly here. I think we need better balance. And if if we can start that conversation, even at a publishing level, uh, I don't know. I know that's not what you asked. Yeah, I'm 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 close to the comics, but not on the uh, distribution side or anything like that. More like uh, creators. I usually chat creators up. Oh, that's cool. Just wondering if you had an opinion. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know how hard Hollywood's going to come back. You know, because they're, they're leaning pretty hard into the uh, distancing thing. 
So I don't know how I don't know how kind of like uh, entertainment goes after this. What's your thoughts? I think in terms of sports and things like that, sports may be like the hardest thing. Speaking as a baseball fan, like baseball, the game can be played, I think, fairly safely because really the players aren't next to each other on any level or anything like that, you know, for the most part. Getting people in the stands, I mean, it even gets packed into a crowded stadium, even an open air stadium, you know, you're, you're still getting a risk of, I, I, of what, number one, exposure, number two, people even if there isn't that much risk of exposure, you just might not feel comfortable doing that for a while. So I, I think sports, movies, I think, you know, same thing. You know, do you want to be in a crowded movie theater with a whole bunch of other people? You know, <laughs> somebody right coughs. After this? Yeah, so somebody coughs. And a cough like, could literally <gasps> cause a panic. It could cause a stampede right now. It's fascinating. Yeah. It is odd to see everybody looking like Cobra, Cobra operatives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought our social distancing model was Cobra Commander. <clears throat> oh my God, guys! It's all too real. It's all too real. I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. I think I got into uh, I got into media just because the age of information. You're doing it anyway. <laughs> I mean, you can't help but do it. Social media. You're never really off the clock. Yeah. Just as we've been doing this interview, I'm getting I'm, ba- I'm basically I'm getting messages from like my fellow teachers and stuff like that. And it's, you know, 9.03 out here. Yeah. I mean, just by signing up for Facebook and Twitter and the like, you've benignly created a brand for yourself, whether that was your intent or not. Oh, my God. The age of brands, personal brands. What a debacle. (laughs) Hopefully the age of influencers is behind us. But that's that's my hope. But since it is 9 o'clock, and and Robert, I I don't want to keep you up too late, Big ups. Uh, my my mom actually worked in a similar educational position, and that's what I went to school for is education. So m- much respect, um, oh, doing God's you. work. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Mike. I'm sure we'll chat in the near future, or at least bump into each other in the comments. Absolutely, my friend. Hey, where can we tell everybody to get the black book? I think I'm going to put it on a a local virtual marketplace. So I'll, I'll keep you in the loop. So we'll put, it, we'll put that as a to-be-determined. I like it. And, and thank you, gentlemen. Don't be haunted by the Black Book. Cheers, guys. Uh, chat soon. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, same. Thanks for tuning in to Day 3 of the What's on Joe Mind Virtual Joe Con. Special thanks to our guest, Cujo. Be sure to tune in to G.I. Joeberg to hear more from him. Also, please visit our fundraising page at donate.wck.org slash what's on Joe Mind. And if you can spare it, give a few dollars to World Central Kitchen. You can find out more about them on the site. Thanks also to the proud sponsors of the What's on Joe Mind Virtual Joe Con, Roma Collectibles, and Kokomo Toys. You can visit them online and shop their virtual storefronts on eBay. Be sure to tune in tomorrow when Arun Singh leads a panel, including the honcho Mark Weber. Sarah Dietrich, G.I. Joe writer Paul Aller, and myself, titled, And Knowing is Half the Battle, Life Lessons from G.I. Joe. See you tomorrow.